0: When I say email makes us less productive, I don't mean that the POP3 or SMTP protocol is somehow not productive. It's a great way to broadcast information or send files. It's much better than the fax machine. What's making us less productive is the hyperactive hive mind workflow that email enabled. It is literally making us dumber. It is making it very difficult for us to do serious thinking with our brains, and it is exhausting us.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnett. So how's your email inbox looking these days? Is it a horror show like mine, filled with dozens or hundreds or, dare I ask, thousands of unread, unreplied, unorganized messages? For most of us, email has become at least as much a source of stress as it is a communication tool. But why? How is it that we've let this technology rule our lives? To help answer this, we've got some ideas from A World Without Email, Reimagining Work in an Age of Communication Overload, by computer scientist and best-selling author, Cal Newport. Now, A World Without Email might sound like some kind of utopian fantasy, but Cal has drilled down into exactly how our business communications have spiraled out of control, and he offers practical tips on how we can work better. Here he is with some of his big ideas. Email makes us less productive.
0: Now, this may sound strange at first. If we go back and look at the history of email, we see that it spread very quickly during the early 1990s because it was a more productive way of implementing certain communication tasks. Email was more productive than a fax machine. It was more productive than voicemail. It was more productive than sending around paper memos in those folders with the little red thread ties. So what do I mean when I say it makes us less productive? Well, it wasn't those uses that caused the problem. It is what followed in the wake of email spread. As email moved from office to office, in its wake came as an unexpected side effect, a new way of collaborating. It's what I call the hyperactive hive mind workflow. Once we gave access to low friction digital communication to employees and organizations, we began to do most of our collaboration, most of our coordination, most of our communication in unscheduled ad hoc back and forth messaging. Everything that needed to be worked out, we could just rock and roll in our inbox. Now there's a lot of advantages to the hyperactive Hivemind workflow. It's fast, it's easy, it's convenient. If you know how to use email, you know how to work at our company. And so it was very popular. The downside, however, is that if This is how you are coordinating with most of the people you work with. There are going to be a ton of messages generated each day. And not only are there going to be a ton of messages generated each day, but they demand timely responses. We're doing a back and forth here with messages. When you send me a message, I have to get back to you. And if I wait all day before I get back to you, we're slowing down this interaction. So what do I need to do? I need to check the inbox frequently. This was the natural consequence of the Hyperactive mind workflow is that we all started checking our inboxes way more than we had ever checked communication channels before. One study I looked at shows that the average American knowledge worker is going to send and receive 126 emails a day. Another study I looked at said that the average office worker observed in this particular company was checking their inbox 77 times a day. A big data set I looked at found that we were checking our inboxes once every six minutes on average. The problem with this is every time we glance at that inbox that keep up with all these different back and forth conversations, our brain goes through a cognitive context shift. It shifts from the thing we were doing to try to change its context to whatever is relevant to these email messages. Switching your cognitive context is an expensive task. It's a non-trivial neurochemical cascade. You have to inhibit some networks. You have to amplify other networks. It takes time, but we don't give it time. We glance at the inbox because, again, there's all these messages coming back and forth that we have to keep up with. We initiate a context shift but then halt it to rip our attention back to the main thing we were working on. So then we try to halt that shift and shift back to the cognitive context of the main thing we're working on. But before we can get completely back to the thing we're working on, we wrench that attention away back to the inbox to check it again, initiating a new context shift which we stop halfway through and rip our attention back to what we're working on in the first place. And we do this repeatedly throughout the day. The cost of all this aborted context shifting is that we lose our ability to think clearly. We begin to feel a cognitive fatigue. That's why by the time you get to two or three o'clock in the afternoon, you sort of give up on hard work altogether and just give in to Slack. You just give in to your inbox. It also makes us anxious. So when I say email makes us less productive, I don't mean that the POP3 or SMTP protocol is somehow not productive. It's a great way to broadcast information or send files. It's much better than the fax machine. What's making us less productive is the hyperactive hive mind workflow that email enabled. It is literally making us dumber. It is making it very difficult for us to do serious thinking with our brains, and it is exhausting us. Email overload cannot be solved in the inbox. So once we understand the issue is not email the tool, The issue is not the POP3 protocol, it's not the SMTP protocol, it's the hyperactive hive mind way of collaborating that email enabled, it should become clear that we can't fix the excesses of this current age of communication overload in the inbox itself. If we say, oh let's have better habits, let's batch when we check our emails, let's have better norms, let's have better etiquette about how we send emails or what we put in the emails, But once we recognize that's the underlying workflow that's the problem, we see we're never gonna solve it with better inbox habits or tips or etiquette because the hyperactive hive mind demands your attention. If most of the way that you are collaborating and coordinating is through unscheduled ad hoc back and forth messaging, the more time you are not tending these channels, the more harm you're causing. You can't do an email free Friday if you use the hyperactive hive mind because very little will get done on Friday. You can't say, I'm gonna check email twice a day if your organization uses the hyperactive hive mind as this main way of collaborating because people need you to check more than twice a day. All the decisions, all the task assignments, all the review, everything is happening through this ad hoc back and forth messaging. So as long as the hive mind is in place as our primary tool for collaboration, we're not gonna fix it with better personal habits. We have to replace the hive mind itself with better ways of collaborating. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, there's no one-size-fits-all solution, but there is one metric that we need to really be focused on when thinking about how we collaborate, and that is reducing unscheduled messaging. All of the harm we're talking about here, the, the context-shifting productivity killer and the overflowing message anxiety producer, all of this is caused by the reality that messages could be arriving at any time that need your attention. That causes that as the source of all these problems. So what we need to do is go through all of the different things that I do in my work, our team does in its work, our organization does in its work, and one by one say, okay, how are we implementing this process? And if the answer is the hyperactive hive mind, we have trouble. We need to replace that with something else. Here are some different rules. Here's some different systems. Here's some different strategies, whatever it takes. But one by one, we optimize these processes. We re-engineer these processes to require much less unscheduled messaging. Process by process, you optimize. And that pressure to get back to your inbox gets less and less. A world without email is inevitable. The great late management theorist Peter Drucker, writing it near the end of his life in 1999, looked back at the industrial sector and he said, Between the year 1900 and 1999, this sector grew by 50 times. This growth was so astounding that it generated the wealth on which the entire modern developed world was subsequently built. And they did it by getting very serious about the question of what's the best way to do what we do? The way they were building cars in 1895 looked very different than the way they were building cars in 1925, which looks very different than the way that Elon Musk builds Teslas in 2025. The industrial sector kept asking, what's the best way to do things? Drucker then went on to say, okay, where I stand now in 1999, knowledge work is where industrial work was in 1900. We haven't even really got it started asking the question of what's the best way to do things. This current moment of digital enhanced knowledge work, we basically just came up with the first natural convenient way we could think about how to work in an age of networks, which was the hyperactive hive mind. Well, we can all have an email address or a Slack channel. And we could just rock and roll and we've been rolling with it and we haven't been critical and we haven't been asking, is this working? Is there something better to do? We just like that it's simple. We like that it's convenient, but the history of the intersection of technology and commerce tells us that we often start with what's simple and what's convenient, but inevitably what's more effective will win out. We are still very early in this age of digitally enhanced knowledge work. There is so much growth on the table. Peter Drucker's 50x growth is sitting here latent. There is no way that we're not going to go after it. And going after it means moving past the hive mind to things that maybe are hard to figure out and have more upfront costs that are inconvenient, but it's going to make us much more effective, lower worker burnout, lower turnover, way higher quality results produced by all these human brains that we employ in the knowledge sector. So a world without email by which I mean, of course, a world without the hyperactive hive mind workflow, oh, it's coming. There's too many economic pressures for it not. The only question is, are you gonna be out in front of this trend and reap those benefits, or are you gonna be trailing behind it?
1: Thank you, Cal. I've been feeling guilty about failing to achieve inbox zero for years now, and I'm glad to know it's not just my problem. The problem is the inbox itself. As usual, Cal has delivered something deeper than your average productivity book. It's a historically grounded, thoughtful look at the systems and bad habits we've all fallen into and a vision for a better way. Now, to reach me here at The Next Big Idea Club, you could email me, but I'd prefer it if you follow The Next Big Idea on Instagram or Threads or X or, best of all, LinkedIn – which is where I do most of my posting these days. In fact, if you sign up for my newsletter on LinkedIn, you'll get a weekly roundup of the best in new nonfiction, and you can respond to let me know what you think of this episode or any episode. Sign up with the link in the episode notes or search for The Next Big Idea Club on LinkedIn. I'm Michael Kavnet. See you tomorrow.